Welcome to Affect Autism. This week we have a special treat for you. We have an example of a floor time session that I did with my son and we have the privilege of having Dr. Andrea Davis with us. She is a clinical psychologist in California with the Greenhouse Therapy Center and I bet it's a lot warmer there than it is here in snowy uh, suburbs of Toronto. Dr. Davis, how are you? Welcome. I'm doing great, thank you. We think we're chilly here, but I know that we can't tell anybody what the real temperature is, or they'll just laugh at us. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for um, agreeing to be with Affect Autism again. Um, we did a few podcasts last year together, which was great. And yeah. I have shared with you, and it also is posted on the blog post with today's um, podcast, a video of of me playing with my son and <clears throat> on the website it's broken up into three sections a typical floor time session we'd say would be about 20 minutes long um, I think this is close to that but I've broken it up into three sections where the first one was me trying to do a continuation of an old video that we shared on a podcast we did last year where my little guy was not showing joint attention he was uh, running the cars along the train, pushing the bottles of soap off. So I started with that activity to see, you know, where where has he gone in a few years? Um, and he did not want to do that activity. <laughs> and he was very obsessed. He was just obsessed with talking about where is the box that this toy came in and how come it's not here anymore? And he's been doing this a lot lately in the past few months with every single thing that we have where'd the box go, gone to the recycling depot, the man will put it in the garbage, it'll be buried, it'll be gone forever, just on and on and on. And, and so I'm trying to co-regulate with him in that first clip. Then the next clip we get more into the fourth functional emotional developmental capacity where there's lots of back and forth um, inner uh, circles of communication and we are um, engaging around this Play-Doh activity and we're doing a bit of social problem solving and how to get this Play-Doh machine to work. And the final clip, I'm really trying to push him into the fifth functional emotional developmental capacity where I'm getting into a little bit of pretend play, introducing it, because he really doesn't like going there too much when we try, but he's starting to a little bit here and there. So Dr. Davis has watched all the clips and um, let's see what you have to say. Do you want to start with the co-regulation clip. I'm, I'm thrilled to see these clips. I am so excited to see how far he has come and to see you using so many floor time strategies. I was just writing like crazy, just noting everything that I could put into simple words to describe all the ways that you were drawing from floor time as a method in order to make this experience with him wonderful. And I think the first one that you mentioned, the, the, the co-regulating first, makes the, the point of our model. You, know, you had an idea of what we were gonna do. He, he, was, he couldn't get off of, of a certain idea that he wanted to talk about. And you knew from practice and you're all the, the, the theory that you've really studied and seen work with him, at first, you had to get him regulated, and the only way to do that was to co-regulate together, as opposed to a, a, maybe a simpler-minded model that we see used in schools and, and 
and home-based programs that would be behavioral in nature would think that's a behavior problem where he's perseverating on an idea, he's not collaborating, he's kind of, you know, maybe a little bit getting stuck and upset. And, and so um, the simplest way to think about getting, helping with, with that would be to sort of ignore it. Um, and just keep redirecting and redirecting, sort of controlling his behavior, even controlling his mind in a way by saying, no, no, you have to learn how to cooperate with other people by force. And he didn't do that. And I'm so interested in that tiny little clip because I, I watched you co-regulate with him. I saw you um, mirror his emotions in your tone. I saw you embrace his feelings as opposed to try to push them to the side because they were they were getting in the way of his optimal functioning, which would be to be open and flexible to a new productive activity. But you were open to the feelings because first we have to deal with feelings. Floor time is an ethic-based learning model. So you knew as his mom, it's going to work better if I just embrace these feelings. Yes. <laughs> And and and, the, and also used the strategies of you know being responsive to everything he was saying to you, rather rather than ignoring because it was a bit of a problem for the activity. You were responsive to everything he said. So I call that being responsive. Um, uh, you prioritized attunement to him, and I could see it in you, really um, offering him your face your heart in the, the way that you slowed down your pacing and your tone was calm and soothing, showing him that you cared, that he was kind of concerned about where those boxes went to the recycling. And most of all, you use what I call don't judge. As a mom, this is hard because you know, this isn't going to be good for his friendships and his happiness and his, his social effectiveness. You can get into all that worry and grief as a parent every time your child shows some some autistic behaviors you worry about their future and it's easy to go right to oh don't do that how can i get him to stop doing this you didn't you didn't judge him you connected you connected first you you said some things that showed in your tone that you understood you tracked him you narrated what he was saying about the uh, the box and his concerns and then he moved on. Lo and behold, we have a demonstration of how if we connect, then he's so strengthened by the relationship, because this is a relationship-based model, that he can do better. He was optimized. He was strengthened by connecting with you. That means there's two people facing the world together. And we can do so much more when we're two people facing the world together, even as adults. And certainly children who are facing all these challenges, that's true. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly easy for parents. And my husband would do this in the beginning when we were learning about floor time. And, um, you know, he's so much better than I am at some of the floor time play and engagement. But I tend to be better at the co-regulating and feelings piece, which might okay. stereotypical be a male-female thing, but not always. Yeah. And, you know, he his instinct would be to say, it's just a box, it's garbage, you're not going to need it anymore. Like, forget about it. And this is ridiculous, stop talking about this box, you know. And, and I think every parent would feel that, every adult would feel that. Yeah. Yeah. But in that early video, which uh, um, is on the blog too, a reference to that earlier video 
I think it was three or four, it must have been four years ago now, um, or longer, um, <clears throat> where he was really concerned with the physical world. I want to see trains crashing and th objects falling, and I'm interested in this physical world. And now he's moved on and he's wondering about things, and he's thinking deeper and wider about, you know, what happens when stuff goes away? Maybe we all can just go away. This is confusing to me. I'm struggling with this concept. So by doing all of the things that you mentioned, um, I'm able to keep him in that moment so he can sort of play with it in his mind. And I did a podcast a few months ago with uh, Dr. Josh Fader, who's your colleague in California and the yes. DIR California Floor yeah. Time Coalition. And, and he said that, you know, this type of repetition is something that our children need to do. They need to play with the, these ideas over and over and over again until they can resolve them and then move forward, which is a very different type of repetition than just, you know, spinning wheels on a car, for instance, over and over again. Right. I just wanted to say about that. I do enjoy Dr. Jack. And he was one of our founding board members of the DIR Four Time Coalition in California. So I get to uh, working on that nonprofit every single week. Now, Dr. Davis, the your um, audio is muddling a little bit. I'm just gonna say what people uh, what they might not have heard. You said you um, Dr. Fader is a dear colleague of yours, and you work together on the coalition um, for DIR floor time in California. And okay, continue. <laughs> okay, it, um, I hear some. Uh, echo, so do, I could switch to maybe trying a headset, or, unless you don't. Um, do you have a headset with a microphone that yes. you can quickly plug in, and we'll just see if that works? Let me grab that. And Let me say, yep. In the, in the meantime, how much um, I appreciate what Dr. Josh Fetter was saying, that is exactly what Dr. Leader was adding the DIR floor time fantastic understanding of and while it play needs uh, become she came from um, the world of clinical psychology and psychoanalytic understanding and development and taught us so much about the importance of playing all. Okay, um, the, the audio has been muddled again, but if I heard Dr. Davis correctly, she said um, she really loves um, that point that Dr. Fader was making about the repetition and that this is what Dr. Serena Weeder brought um, to the floor time model when she joined Dr. Greenspan, coming from that clinical psychology background. Um, <clears throat> and to add to all of the rich experience that Dr. Stanley Greenspan had being a psychiatrist. And let's see if Dr. Davis's audio is fixed here. Can you hear me okay now? That's a lot better, yep. Oh, perfect. So I wanted to um, just say that, that you are, as a mom, picking up on some of the deeper import or importance of some of the ideas that he, he keeps repeating they're very important ideas my son's and, ideas yep 
your son's ideas about where did the box go and why is it not here and why where did it where how come I can't even see it but I can worry about it I can picture it and it obviously is going to help him deal with issues of loss um, and possibly the thought of death that, that this may kind of move into thinking about death in more mature ways with your help as you think through these ideas okay um, and actually I'm <clears throat> I'm thinking another thought a lot of parents also would would get frustrated with going through this like like I said this thing that you saw about co-regulating literally I've been through this with my son a hundred times and you might get frustrated as a parent like we've talked about this a hundred times how come you don't understand it yet and that again goes back to Dr. Fader's point about repetition with this idea can you elaborate a little bit more on that I can I want to I wanted to talk to you about that possibility um, if the if the audio isn't working, maybe you could stop and start or um, it's, it's okay right now yep okay perfect so I wanted to ask you as a parent how did you feel when he was kind of going back to this same idea and you had this really fun idea for him that you wanted him to get onto to be able to play with the play-doh and get into some creative activity with his hands but also some imaginative pretend play with you how did you feel um when he he kind of went back to re repeating his old concern about where did the box go um certainly i felt mildly frustrated because you know the what I just said about oh we've been through this a million times and and also I know that I'm videotaping this for my blog and uh, as a model for parents but all the better that it's not perfect because nothing is <laughs> but also um, I, I feel like I've had a lot of practice at this from the second my son was born and woke up earlier than I expected when I'm in the middle of getting stuff done during his nap, you know what? Everything goes out the window and you have to go with what what he needs. He, if he's screaming his head off and he's hungry, um, I don't get to continue with whatever email I was working on or whatever. So eight and a half years of this happening, I think I'm right. used to it now. Just, you know, you know what? Sure. This is what he needs now. So this is what we're going to do. And it's a good example for other parents to see. So that's kind of what I was thinking. That is beautiful. I think this is actually a good example for all of us to see um, that it is frustrating, and yet you must—you had these other thoughts that you calmed yourself down with, which one of them that was key that you just mentioned was this is this is what he needs, and so this is what I'll I'll attend to. Whereas if you characterized it as a problem behavior that in itself is a thought which is irritating and frustrating for a parent or, or, or a therapist working or teacher working with a child. Every time we keep focusing on problem behaviors and counting them and counting the incidence of them and the length of them and hoping that they, you know, looking for trends that they're, they're um, going to be occurring fewer and fewer times per day or per hour, that, that in itself turns us towards a feeling inside of ourselves 
which is pretty negative and pretty disappointed when a, a pops another repetition. Uh, when you characterize this as a need for him to get help with processing these thoughts, I think it brought forth a caring side of you and a, a patient supportive side of you that literally you could we can see in that very short clip helped him move on to feel felt to feel heard to feel seen was so calming or regulating for him that he no longer had to get stuck on that dis distressing idea about where the box went and yet he still does get stuck on it because he he brought it up again yesterday the day before that <laughs> but you just do it each time and help him work through it. Right, right. And eventually, it may take him a little bit longer to get to what is the core distressing aspect of this about loss and death that eventually he will get mastery over by the repetition. It's just like kids who play over and over and over ARMY. And how many times when they play ARMY or G.I. Joe, do they play that somebody shoots and somebody gets killed and there's the, all the noise and the falling down and this this game we don't we don't see it as a problem necessarily um, because we kind of expect it that children are going to be working through their difficulty feelings about mortality and danger and uh, the the precariousness of life that at any moment it could it could go away uh, and so when he's doing it with with you though in conversation. It takes more time, effort, and patience from you, but actually it's going to be a more satisfying resolution in the end and because you're doing it together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think a very important point from what you just said is that we really have to realize that just because your child has an autism diagnosis doesn't mean they are so um, qualitatively or, well, I don't know, different i mean maybe they are uh but they're human and all humans do this it's just looks a little bit different in our children so like you said um other kids will um if it's a healthy environment play is how children grow and develop and they're going to play through scenes if if their grandpa went away to Afghanistan and was killed in the war or their father or whatever and they are playing army for the next year they're trying to resolve those feelings about war and um, that's an extreme example but it could be that their teacher yells a lot in class and they come home and they play school and they yell at their brother or sister or their other toys make the one doll yell at the other one and they're working through these issues well, this is no different. It's just that um, our children need a little bit of extra support because of their processing challenges. Right, and and one of the the pieces that um, of what we're saying here is that when you see it that way, when you see that it's not he's he's got the same issues as every other human being that he's going to have to work through in his own timing, then you it brings again that the side of you that's very nurturing and patient. Um, and um, I think that's partly what helps him to get through it well and to, to begin to resolve this together with you. I had another thought um, that I, when you said you just admitted, you know, even though you're recording our conversation, you admitted to yourself and to everybody that, yeah, you were a little bit impatient or, 
um, frustrated because here it comes up again and you want to show something else for your for that video that you're making uh, that that self-awareness and that kindness to your own whole range of feelings is the same as the floor time approach where we embrace all the feelings that our children are showing us as a caregiver as a parent or a teacher a therapist a grandparent a nanny being open and embracing all of our own feelings rather than saying oh that's not a good feeling so i'm not going to even pay any attention to it is what helps us to be full and complete thorough and present in the moment with ourselves and with therefore with our child when they bring up all the range of feelings whether in play or conversation or the way that they're acting so does that make sense the way i just said that it that, does and and i don't even know that i was consciously thinking that but right, upon right. reflection i feel that that I guess yeah. that's what I do, kind of. Yes. Um, yes, yes. Embracing your own feelings or being kind to all the different sides of us and as opposed to trying to say some parts of us are bad and some parts of us are good is so important in this process of being a floor-time parent. We talk about parental self-reflection. That is what grows and grows in the caregiver if they're really using this model and getting support from other professionals along the way, because it, it's hard, it's hard, hard work to grow in our self-awareness and self-reflection and to be open and kind to all the different sides of ourselves and our child. Great. Thank you. Um, for uh, respect of time, I'm going to move on to the next video, which is, um, Really, if I'm reflecting on this um, video, I'm working on the functional emotional developmental capacity that is social problem solving. And <clears throat> looking at the D, I, and the R, um, you know, the D, I have been working um, with him and, and he, he's been working in about this fourth capacity for a while now. Just, you know, he's not past it. It's a big capacity. There's lots in it. But I will point out that He's very regulated, he's very engaged, he's having back and forth um, interactions with me, and we are socially problem solving around the Play-Doh machine. Um, in terms of his individual differences, that, um, you know, he's a mover, so by him standing and being able to move, and him pushing that Play-Doh machine, he's getting that proprioceptive input into his sensory system, which he also does need to stay regulated throughout the day. Okay. And, um, he is occasionally getting upregulated, as you see, when he's excited, raising his voice, yes. jumping and flapping his hands. Yes. Um, he's talking about the turtle, and he's pretty peaceful, but when the turtle shoots out of the machine, he's so happy, and, and we're mm -hmm. so connected, and this affect is kind of having this ebb and flow. And, um, yeah, I mean, um, I didn't show a lot of affect throughout the video. Um, I don't know... Um, but he may not be needing it. He may not. When we want to really um, animate our affect or exaggerate our expressions, is when we're having more of an issue of engaging the child, or they aren't reading our emotions okay. super accurately. So I think I think it's fine. What I really enjoyed um, about this part was was that this was an excellent um, demonstration of I think capacity for FEDC four. It's sometimes hard for people to really grasp what we mean by it. What they they hear the words 
problem solving, they forget we're talking about social problem solving, not mechanical problem solving mm -hmm. or logistical problem solving, but the social problem solving of how to have an interaction with another person that is effective. And we see that all through this little, this longer clip here that, um, that you said, uh, challenging at FEDC4. And I wanted to talk about one aspect of this that I thought was really important to point out for people that um, while you did uh, constantly make sure that you were attending to his regulation state, so you didn't forget that it's we're always building upward from capacity one, um, mm -hmm. making sure that if he got too upregulated, you backed off the challenge a little bit. But, so you were sensing the, the just right challenge that he needed to maybe move further into FEDC4 and some five, some symbolic imaginative play. But the way that you did it was so great. And I, I call it at this capacity using a little bit more of our real self, um, bringing in the, um, uh, I call it genuine self, allowing more of your genuine self inter interactions to a degree, for example, um, you had the idea of having a second turtle to play. And if we're preparing our kids to play with non-therapists, to play with actual real-life kids, we have to bring in a little bit of that real self where, oh, well, I had an idea and I still want to pursue my idea, even if you're stuck back on one idea, I have an idea too, and I really want to stick with that. And you gently brought that in about the other turtle um, so that you're asking him just by being a real person with an idea that you want to stick with, even if he wants to revert to a set fixed idea before that. But you're um, saying, no, I, I, I still want to do that. I, I, how about if we, and then you bridged bridged ideas, which is something we work on to prepare for capacity six, logical thinking. Um, you said, how about, you know, if the, the turtle has a friend and then we, we make a flower. So we, we, ha we have a meaning and a connection between he wants the flower, you want the turtle friend, and how can we make sense? Maybe they could both be hungry and, and want to eat a flower. So, Mm -hmm. so, so you're you're setting up a way to um, help him move into a place where it's not just trading information back and forth in reciprocal opening and closing of circles that we do at capacity three, but now those circles can become more complicated negotiations or compromising where he's becoming aware that you're a person, I'm a person, and we both have an agenda here, but our bigger joint agenda is to have an effective social interaction here. And we can do it by, by going back and forth, back and forth and working something out together. And, and you really show that in this clip. And and he certainly is working on that because he he's not at the point not yet where he has the theory of mind and understands that somebody else has different thoughts than me. Um, it, it's definitely emerging with support, but I think, um, a piece of that is is the R as well. We talked about the D and the I, but the R, the cocoon of this relationship that he has with me gives him that safety to play so we can have these moments together where I can challenge him because he trusts me. And um, <clears throat> I think um, one of the 
my favorite parts of the video is when we're pushing the Play-Doh down and it flies away and we both laugh and I say, oh, should we try that again? And I sort of giggle and he giggles and just trying to have that shared joy um, and providing that safety so that he can experiment in this level four, um, you know, bit of level three, bit of level four and and sort of supporting him um, while I'm trying to introduce some of these higher ideas in this video and in, in the following one where I'm really pushing the um, pretend play a lot more, you know, maybe for the sake of the video. But, um, and the other thing is that I remember so clearly hearing Dr. Greenspan say in videos um, or in lectures or whatever, that if they're not ready, right away I say oh oh okay okay you don't want to do that and then I try and introduce it again and always get permission from him so he's the one in control hmm. wow I, I kind of I, that's very helpful to push I, I did see you do that and I think it's um, a beautiful thing the way you talk about trust because how do we build trust it's through those moments of even it, with Moving forward through life, it's through that attunement to their emotional state where you become the person who helps them calm down if they need to calm down, downregulate. You're also the person, that we don't always talk about this as much, but you're the person to upregulate them if they're bored. You're the mommy who brought in just the right amount of stimulation to, here's a new thing to look at together um, here's a new game to play together. Here's a new activity. We're going to go here. We're going to go there. That he, he's come to trust you for both calming and soothing and for excitement and fun. Now, you mentioned another piece that's so crucial that people who just hear about floor time for the first time may not know this part, that this issue of it's not just having fun because that's a nice thing to do. Shared joy, you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Shared joy to me is the core of what. Why do we have relationships? We are in a we are in a role sometimes with children with autism and other developmental disabilities, where we are wooing them into the social world and the the mechanical world, the digital world is wooing them very strongly into their own isolated life, and we see that happen with especially with some older kids who have had, you know, lots of support, lots of therapies, but they find the social world so complicated and so confusing. So we're, we are prioritizing, we're privileging, we're, we're, we're making the most important thing in this work, those moments where we can share joy because it amplifies joy to share it between two or more people. So we're looking for those moments as the, the pinnacle of what we're doing together. So in this in this video, you're you're it's partly the, the the envelope, as you say, of a trusting relationship. It's also that in the moment, even if you were working with him for the first time, that he senses you're following his lead, you're reading his cues, you're attending and attuning to his affect, and you're centering the activity around his high natural motivated interests so that he wants to make this work together he wants to keep proceeding even as you're challenging him to go into capacities four and five and if we if we have time to talk about capacity five and how you're you're in what i call um instigating creativity or you're inciting pretend 
play. You're in introducing him to the fun and interest and intrigue and, and meaning of adding symbolic ideas to this Plato activity. Yeah, um, I, I noticed that a couple of times, you know, I started to say things. I, I was a lot of, I relied a lot on verbal and asked a lot of questions, but um, I know that you had pointed out in an email to me, and I thought of this myself too, I could have done a lot more of having a character speak, because I did that a little bit with the turtle. I said, hey, that hurt, that hurt, pretending I was the turtle. I could have done more of that, but one thing I did notice is that when he got uncomfortable, because he's not at at the fifth um, capacity yet, he changes the subject and he wanders back to that familiar train book that he likes and that's what's familiar to him and that's what's comforting to him. But I also noticed that he didn't get dysregulated and what he did later in the video is he imitated what I had done earlier when he made the turtle go yum 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 and eat the flower. I had modeled that earlier in the video and then he did it himself. So I, I liked seeing that response from him. That it's right. You you planted an idea and it caught it caught and, and it rooted in him and he picked it up and so much of learning is first through imitation. Um, but then we know he's gonna use that and become creative with that idea on his own after he's had a chance for it to percolate inside of him. Yeah, I like the fact that you're showing us in the in this video that you both attend and attune to where he's at and follow his cues and you playfully persist, I call it. I'm mentioning some of the, the, the strategies from the Floor Time Strategies book throughout this podcast because that's the way I like to, to talk about video is to be able to put into words what it is that you did so that it can be teachable and repeatable um, and playfully persisting, I don't think everybody realizes that that is part of floor time. It's not only doing what the child wants to do every minute. Here you're showing, no, you're bringing in new ideas, and you're, but you're not forcing it. You're um, tempting him. You're, you're mm -hmm. wooing him into enjoying your ideas because they will enrich his ideas. And so you come back to it. Like, like you mentioned, you let it, if he wants to say no, that's fine. He's, he's still in control. You're not forcing, but you reintroduce it playfully. And, mm -hmm. and eventually it absolutely works. He picks it up and he's enjoying it. He's enjoying the, the ideas and entering the ideas and playing with the ideas in his mind, which is how, that's not just because we want him to be a good player. It's because we want him to be a good thinker. And this is how he becomes a good thinker, by playing with ideas. That's, that's developing his abilities for abstract thinking. And that will go back to the box concerns. He's stuck a little bit there because of the concrete issue of, I don't see the box, where did it go? The more he, he joins you in capacity five or FEDC five in the symbolic play, the symbolic thinking, the imagination and pretend, He'll have way more uh, effective ways of handling difficult, abstract ideas about where did the box go. And an, an example of where he wasn't really able to go with it was when I said, oh, well, what does the sun taste like? And to get me off his back, he says, I want a sandwich. <laughs> and it reminded him of eating. And for him, eating is very regulating. 
Um, he's especially lately, he started to say very often when he gets bored or dysregulated, like, I want to eat. Even if he just ate a huge meal, he says, I want to eat. Um, it could also be that he, because of his motor planning issues, he doesn't know what else to do. So he, he goes right. back to that eating. Right. Well, you said motor planning, and some people may have missed that, that if you have motor planning challenges, then you also have abstract plan planning challenges coming up with a next idea, like what else could I do? But one thing that we've found um, here at Greenhouse Therapy Center is that we're finding um, narration to be one of the most effective ways we work with these kids around reg dysregulation and, and regulation strategies. So so not thinking that we're doing something to him by regulating him, by giving him something to do, more, more important, helping him learn about his own regulation needs. So saying things like, oh, yeah, when you get bored, it makes you think of eating. Or whenever you say, I'm hungry, I think you're getting a little bit uncomfortable, huh? You're getting uncomfortable. And then you think, oh, maybe I could eat. And um, sometimes that helps and sometimes it doesn't, huh? And you just, over time, across a week, across a month, you're starting these conversations about the child's body needs, regulation needs, and observing them without judging just exactly what's going on for them so that they're hopefully going to become, in the, over the next few years, the expert on what their body is feeling and where they, uh, what would be helpful so that they can generate their own self-regulation strategies when you're not there. That's great. And this uh, brings us into the conclusion where um, we discussed prior to our recording this podcast how we're going to try and do a follow-up video. Um, mm -hmm. So that's one of the things that's, that's a great suggestion. And, um, you know, I, every time I hear suggestions, I think, oh, I know about that. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> it's sort of that beating yourself up yeah. thing. But, but I'll quickly shift away from that and think that's mm -hmm. excellent. I think that will really help my son to start to narrate to him what I mm -hmm. see that he's experiencing to help mm -hmm. him. Like sometimes you just need to hear someone say that to feel acknowledged. Yes, um, and, and to put it, put it together. Mm -hmm. He's not putting it together yet, but once he puts it together and say, you know, oh, then he can think next time when you're not narrating it, he can narrate it for himself. That's the kind of internal monologue we want him to be developing, to notice what his body is feeling and then develop um, alternative ideas for what he might do to help help himself feel better. Yeah, and um, so I'm going to put that on my list and and from my experience with floor time I would say if I start working on this now in January um, maybe by the summertime maybe by next Christmas time he will be a lot better at doing that and I think yes. that's a tangible goal now yes. you yes. Um, just for the sake of time I know you have another appointment to get to you had sent me two other strategies that you'd like me to consider um, to work on before we get together next time to review an updated video and one was the strategy about gaze tracking and the right. other one um, I think we actually already did talk about where um, if I play a puppet or voice another type of character um, so do you want to talk a little bit about those and anything else you suggest for me to do for our next video? Um, I think um, 
I will be excited to see you trying this this one of narrating his his uh, regulation strategies. I also, when he isn't really tracking with you, I would I would keep up a little bit more detailed narration or sports casting what, exactly what he is doing, just as a way to help him feel seen and embraced while while whatever he's doing, so that you're you're really tracking him and each activity that he's doing with his Play-Doh or with the train book the whole time as a way to make him feel safe and trusting and, and uh, comfortable to receive even more of your challenges. Um, I would recommend continuing to use gaze tracking even while you guys are working on a manual, you know, sensory motor activity such as Play-Doh so that you're not looking at your own so much, but you're, you remind yourself it's hard. This is a hard one to keep watching his gaze so that you're tracking his thoughts and feelings rather than looking at the thing that you're making. So sometimes it means maybe you're not making something. Maybe you're just watching what he's making, describing what he's making, watching his affect and sort of watching him, the ebb and flow of his regulation and not getting distracted by the thing itself that, that you're, you know, you're maybe not doing it with your hands. This is a real good technique for lots of people in play therapy is to just really watch exactly what they're doing and just sports cast each little mo motion or movement that he's doing and see if that is really very bonding for the two of you. So in this um, video saying something mm -hmm. like, oh, oh, it's hard to push that Play-Doh down without it slipping away. Oh, look, I see how hard mm -hmm. you're pushing. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, mm -hmm. oh, that that idea was a little bit too scary. You want to go back to your mm -hmm. train book because you like your train book. Um, yep. Yep. And you're watching thing. his reactions the whole time. Like, do, is this working for him? Is he feeling you can see it in his his eyes? You know, is he enjoying your this tracking that you're doing? We call it tracking or sports casting. Or is it is it a little bit distracting for him so we can reduce the the affect or reduce the number of words and just trying just a, a few words here and there, like um, very, very short little descriptions of what he's doing. It's just sort of gauging and attuning to him, even in the level of affect and the, the number of words. Yeah, and then I just think, you know, that sharing joy, that um, is going to be the ultimate goal no matter what. Like, even if you're helping entice him into pretend play or more um, uh, complex social problem solving together around, around what you're doing together, still thinking that the shared joy is the pinnacle. That's what we're going for. That's that. Um, when you see the sparkle in his eye, the twinkle in his eye, that so the shared moments that are so deeply, deeply bonding that the child, as we see in this video, comes back to you for more, comes back to you for more, even when he is thinking about some other ideas. He wants to be with you. And that is the thing that we can't teach behaviorally, that desire to connect, that curiosity about you and the longing for um intimacy that we know that's going to change his his life as he's been able to develop that yeah and um i think that's so important that if i left the room would he keep doing what he's doing happily or would he be upset and i think mm -hmm. in the previous video from a few years ago he would have cared less if i left the room 
in this right. video, we noticed that if I left the room, he would be upset. He'd want me to come back. He, yeah, and it's not, it's, that's right. He, he is now remembering and holding the experience in mind of what it is to trade ideas, to share emotions, to share affect, to stimulate one another's ideas and thinking, and he wants more of it. And so he's a, he's a totally different kid. And you added that when I do gaze tracking, you had um, emailed me that if he's able to maintain that engagement, um, it's great because then when you add a twist or a plot thickener, he'll really sit up and take notice and delight in your addition. Right. Can you That's just right. end That's off right. talking because a little bit about that? Mostly you're following his lead. Mostly you're tracking exactly what he's doing. And then it's a, a nice little surprise when you, when you're going to, what a, yeah when you thicken the plot when you bring in oh we could he could the turtle could have a friend like it's not um not quite expected because so far you've just been tracking everything he's thinking and now you bring in something more interesting and exciting perhaps and he may he may take that tidbit right there oh well that's great um this Thank you so much. I found this very, very helpful, and I hope that our viewers will as well. And I wanted to thank you for being with us, and I will try and um, get a follow-up to this, uh, practicing some of what you suggest, and then we'll meet together again in a few months, and, and you can tell me uh, if you notice some progress. Wonderful. I so enjoy this. I really, really uh, appreciate this opportunity. Thank you. Likewise. And for our listeners, you will see um, some more details in the full blog post and some links. And certainly, if you have any feedback or comments or suggestions, you can always comment in the comment box or under the contact link. And until next week, here's to Affecting Autism.